Okay, I want you to go with me to Genesis 41. We introduced last week this uh, thought of loving well that we're going to work on in this, uh, in this quarter. And we're using, as we begin, the story of whom I believe to be um, one of the outstanding heroes, if not the hero of the Old Testament, certainly the book of Genesis, um, Joseph, the son of Jacob, uh, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. And uh, so he's one of those great patriarchs. Now, um, uh, he was beaten, kidnapped. We looked at that last week. Sold into slavery. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, just briefly, look at how he was imprisoned subsequent to that. How can one guy go through so much? And where is God in all this? Well, whether he was in prison or in power, Joseph remained God's guy, obedient and faithful, and um, I, I, I defy us to find a time where he was not uh, faithful to the Lord. Go back with me to 40, verse 12. Genesis 40, verse 12. It'll give us a little bit of background. Guys, I'm still breaking in a new Bible. I'm gonna have to do, I'm gonna have to put some uh, baseball glove oil on it or something. Shave and cream? I never thought about that one. Okay, so then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it, the three branches of the three days. So the idea in 40, Joseph is in prison, interprets a dream. We'll get into that in just a minute. Now, now, following the events we talked about last in last week's lesson, Joseph is sold into slavery, and he's sold to an Egyptian of, official named Potiphar, um, he, he immediately gains favor in his boss's eyes, and um, um, Potiphar puts him in charge of all of kind of his area. What, whatever Potiphar's dealing with, Joseph kind of runs. Potiphar doesn't have to worry about anything but uh, himself. Uh, a lot of favor in that, and he gets a position of great responsibility within Potiphar's household, but Potiphar's wife takes a shine to Joseph, and um, and she begs him to um, sleep with her. That's about as kind a word as I can use right there. But Joseph every time refuses. Joseph runs in one of these scenes from Potiphar's wife. By the way, that's good um, book of James advice. Okay. Um, resist the devil, he will, he will flee from you. Uh, basically, the idea of run from that kind of temptation. Um, uh, Wayne, I didn't do it. I didn't exactly run, but when you handed me that box of donuts this morning, I walked quicker. Did you notice that? Okay, so um, he refuses. He, um, he runs from her. She grabs his cloak and uses it to falsely accuse him of attempted rape. And Potiphar, the boss, has him thrown in prison. Is that the end of the story? Hardly, hardly. Uh, it hasn't begun yet in some ways. Joseph in prison, again, proves himself worthy of responsibility. Uh, um, <clears throat> we looked last week at, it, at a couple of dreams that he dreamed, and here dreams once again entered Joseph's story 
Um, this time, the, the dreams of two fellow prisoners. The, um, you could call him the butler. He's called in the, in the Bible uh, the cupbearer for the king and the king's baker. Both have uh, dreams that are disturbing dreams. They've been cast into prison and they uh, find out, Joseph says, you know, I know God and God's the one that gives dreams. Let me help you interpret that. And he calls it right. One of them, uh, the baker, is put to death by, by uh, Pharaoh. And uh, the cupbearer, the butler, is returned to his former position. And uh, as he's going back to work in uh, Pharaoh's palace, Joseph says, by the way, pal, when you get there, tell him I'm down here having been imprisoned um, um, inappropriately, unjustly. And the cupbearer gets a two-year case of amnesia. And uh, when you read the end of chapter, um, into the chapter 40, verse 23 of chapter 40, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now, he's going to eventually remember him, but not here. So, when we join our story today in, in chapter 41, Pharaoh himself has a dream. And he wakes up in a cold sweat. You ever had that happen? You know, uh, usually happens for me after I've had a pepperoni pizza about nine o'clock the night before. But uh, we don't know what Pharaoh had, but he had, a, he had a disturbing dream. He goes back to sleep and has another one. And... Um, and it's even more disturbing. Now, in the first dream, um, uh, by the way, the, the word that's used in Scripture is funny. Uh, seven sleek cows. The word sleek, what do you think of? I'll tell you what I think of. I think of skinny, but that's not a, it's sleek in this context means fat, um, heavy, ready for, ready for uh, to be taken to market. Um, these, these seven sleek cows, these seven fat cows are eaten by seven ugly cows. <clears throat> What's that all about? So he goes back to sleep and this time it's seven shocks of grain that are withered that eat up seven good shocks of grain, healthy ones. So he's Man, what's going on? He calls his magicians uh, and his satraps, all the wise men, allegedly, of the nation, and says, what, what is trying to happen here? And um, uh, so um, the forgetful former prisoner is kind of in, in that scenario and says, uh, none of the magicians can can interpret the dream. Uh, the former, the uh, now returned to his position, um, cupbearer says, "You know what? I met a guy when I was in jail who was just sharp as all get out, and he helped me by interpreting a dream I had. And by the way, he interpreted the dream of the of the chief baker as well. Didn't go as well for him." But it's interesting to me that in, um, in, in the verse that we read a little bit ago, he remembers um, 
that, that the man that he met in prison, he may not even remember his name, but he remembers something about him besides the fact that he can interpret dreams. He remembers he's a Hebrew. I find that intriguing. Joseph had not lost his distinctive as a man of God, even with all he's got going on and that he has had going on. So uh, Joseph uh, is called before Pharaoh. He um, says, hey, bring me some clean clothes. Uh, you know, bring me a, a Norelco razor. I need to shave. And, and uh, he gets cleaned up and he appears before Pharaoh. And that's where we're going to pick up the story today. Um, Pharaoh tells Joseph, it's interesting, you hear the dreams told about three times in two chapters. Um, they're told just the same way. It tells about the dream. Pharaoh tells about the dream. And then Pharaoh tells about the dream again. So um, you read about that. We're going to skip that and go to verse... Uh, Steve, if I could get you to read. I'm going to ask you to go to verse 25 in chapter 41 and read down through 33. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. I want us to catch something just as a, a backdrop for all of this that we're dealing with here. And as a backdrop for what I'm dealing with in my world today. I want to take you to, I'm just going to read rapid fire about three or four different passages of Scripture. Go back to 40, chapter 40, verse 8. And I want you to listen to a common theme. Then they said to him, we've had a dream. There's no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Go to chapter 41, the chapter we're in now. We're going to read some previous verses of verse 15 and 16 from chapter 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I have Heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now catch the drama of that moment. Joseph in verse 16 then answered Pharaoh saying, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And look at 41.25, which we've already talked about. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told Pharaoh what he's about to do. Are you catching this, that time after time after endless time, and this will take place for the rest of this man's life, Joseph is constantly saying, God can. God can. He's able. Uh, do you think we could use that message today? <laughs> you know, it's still true. Uh, 
I think it's wonderful to see a man here who is put on the spot. You've got to catch this. The, the uh, leader of the known world has called him into his uh, throne room, and he's surrounded by allegedly the wisest people in his kingdom. And he asked a kid who 30 minutes before was in prison, Hey, I hear you can help me. Can you help me? And Joseph clearly says, I can't, but God can. Now look at verse 26 again. As Joseph recounts the dreams, as Pharaoh begins to give him the details of the dream, uh, Joseph discerns that the number of seven in the two dreams has a meaning. God lets him know that, and it represents numbers of years, okay? So I want to go back. I find this intriguing. There were two dreams here by Pharaoh. Do you remember Joseph had two dreams? Look at 37.9, if you go back just a couple of verses, a couple of pages. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I've had still another dream. Now, you remember we talked about the two dreams last week. Uh, and then in 41.5, in the chapter we're in now, Pharaoh falls asleep uh, and dreams a second time, okay? So we said, if you remember this last week, um, that we said a dream followed by another dream meant confirmation. What was Joseph's first dream in chapter 37? 11 stocks bowing down to him. Bound down to a 12th. You remember that? His brother, and he said it was his brothers bowing down to him someday. And then he had another dream, and it was the it was representative of his of mom and dad bowing to, down to him. And uh, and so it was confirmation of the truth that God was trying to reveal here. Same thing is going on, uh, Joseph believes, in um in the context of Pharaoh's dreams. Um, seven cows. Seven years, seven heads of grain, seven years, so seven sleek cows, seven years, seven um, abundant uh, shocks of grain, seven years, followed by seven gaunt, ugly cows, and seven ruined um, shocks of grain. Joseph says, we're talking here about seven years followed by seven years. So the idea in verse 27 then is the following seven years, there'll be seven years coming and we're gonna all be fat and sassy, but there are seven years following that will be defined by famine. A significant fear in the ancient Near East was starvation, famine. And it was governed by um, uh, rain and the lack of rain. And, um, and so, um, if you remember, the great fear of the two and a half million, two and a quarter million Jews that left Egypt 400 years from this story, when Moses uh, is leading them in the, verse, in, in the book of Exodus, we're going to starve to death. You remember? That was the significant fear. What happened in that? God fed them. You remember? 
In this case, God is going to put the pieces in place and he's warned the leader of the known world that something good is about to take place, but it's going to be followed by something worse than you ever can imagine. You better prepare for it. I read a story this morning about um, uh, a, an army camp in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania during the uh, 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. I wonder if they even used the word pandemic in, 20, in 1918. I don't know. But it was certainly uh, the first time this kind of thing. As I read about it, a half a million cases worldwide, uh, tens of thousands of deaths uh, here even in, in the U.S. And I read about this one army camp, uh, the uh, incidents of um, of infection in the United States Army was 250 soldiers per thousand. One quarter of our army had it. Now they typically recovered, but there was um, um, there was a, a particular army camp there in Pennsylvania that had um, their role was training. Rhonda, I love this thought. Their role was training ambulance personnel to go into the war, into First World War. And so they were training them to do medical things. And it was led by, um, it was led by, um, it was named after General Crane, who was an early um, Surgeon General of the U.S. So in, at Camp Crane, some very, in, uh, very insightful people leading it said, we're going to distance, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to issue everybody a mask. I think it's really interesting. And their incidence of infection was something like 25 per thousand. So that the army said, what are you doing so that we can do it throughout the army? Isn't it interesting here that the Pharaoh had a dream and there's a smart man who kind of knows to listen to God, to know what to do about it. And famine uh, will be kind of dealt with here. So one of the reasons we believe that this is the case in verse 28 is that Joseph had a very different view of God than everybody else around him. All the other prisoners, um, all of uh, Pharaoh's people had a very different view of God. This one was consistent with what the Bible teaches. Now, can I take us to a couple of places in the book of Psalms? Because I want us to hear uh, just a couple of snippets of what the Bible says about God. Would somebody go to Psalm 47.7 and read it? Somebody mind to read that? Thank you, Wayne. And somebody else read Psalm 97.9. Thank you, Cindy. Let's look at what the Bible says about God. Now, these are uh, there are... Uh, myriad verses about this, but this are a couple. So Wayne, 40, uh, Psalm 47, 7. Okay. Read it one more time. God is the king of all the earth. Who's in charge even on September 13th, 2020? He's the king of all the earth. He's... We're not letting him take charge, but he's in charge. He can do whatever he wants to do. Cindy, read uh, Psalm 97, verse 9. For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. 
Now, it's, it, that's interesting wording here, and this is what I kind of wanted to go to here. Um, um, in, in the story of Joseph here, Joseph has a different view of God than everybody else. That's why he can say, God can, God can, God can. Uh, in verse 28, it is, as I have spoken to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. God's in charge of all this. Now, what you and I got to realize that in context, and we've got a similar contextual experience in, on September 13, 2020. Everybody else in the throne room that day believed there were many gods, and it didn't really matter how you got to whatever god, okay? Um, it, was, it was a, a, we'll talk about this a little bit in context of some of the things that Pharaoh says in a, bit, in a little bit, but in a critical moment, in this story, all eyes are on Joseph, and he says God can, but his view of God is different than theirs. He believes three things about God, at least. God sent the dreams to Pharaoh. God will help him interpret him appropriately. And God will follow through. Aren't you glad God follows through? You ever worked around somebody that, you know, you handle this, I'll handle this, and they don't follow through? <laughs> and then you have to do what didn't get done otherwise? I'm sometimes guilty of that myself. But God always follows through. Joseph has a view of God that's different from everybody else in the room. They believe there are several Capricious gods, maybe hundreds. Uh, and they're in charge of different things. In particular, they worship the sun. <laughs> There's probably a god um, in, in, in Egyptian lore who controls the rain. Certainly, um, uh, there are gods that control, or goddesses who control fertility and uh, crop failures and those kinds of things. But Joseph knows better. I think it's interesting. In the verse that Cindy read a little bit ago from Psalm 97, verse 9, it's really interesting. You're a God above all gods. What's interesting about that small g, God's plural, is he is a God instead of others. There, there are no others. That's what Joseph believes. And he's in the throne room of a Pharaoh who doesn't believe it the way he does, but he says, God can, and there's only one. You remember, it's way before, it's 400 years before um, little, little uh, Hebrew boys will be taught to say every day, uh, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. That won't come for 400 years, but they still know it. And he certainly knows it. Um, you know, Jacob messed up on a lot of things. Isaac messed up on a lot of things. But Father Abraham had taught these boys, behold, guys, God is one, and he's good, and he's loving, and he's powerful, and all of those things. So his view of God is going to rule the day. And so in specific terms of verse 29 and 30, Joseph reveals what the cows and the grain represent. And he's got Pharaoh's attention here. This is what it means. Seven great years are going to come. But the next seven are going to be so bad you're going to forget the first seven. All right? And so he reveals that all in specific terms. And in verse 31, 
He says the famine caused by the drought will be severe. Um, crazy question. Remember how good it was six months ago? We kind of forgotten, haven't we? We're roaring in February, you know? I, when I look back at all kinds of things, I think, wow, think of all the things I had going on and planned. I found in my briefcase this week, I got to follow up on this. I found in my briefcase this week a birthday card to a friend dated March 11th. I never gave it to him because things got really crazy about March 12th. Do you remember? <laughs> and we're now six months from there. Do you remember what this world was like six months ago? It would be good for you to do that, I think. Joseph says to Pharaoh, how much boldness does this kid have? But he says to Pharaoh, sir, the second seven years are going to be so bad, you won't even remember the first seven. And so uh, he indicates here in verse 32 that the repetition of the dreams, what do they indicate? They indicate it's going to happen. Um, um, it and they indicate here, if you look, look at how it's worded in verse 32, I think it's important. Um, now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, isn't that interesting that he takes that on? It means that the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it about. Urgency is the rule of the day. So, he just, I think for verse 33 is an interesting PS. And by the way, by the way, in case you're wondering, let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. There, I'm done. <laughs> you know, knowing what the dream meant wasn't going to fix anything. Uh, the, the statement I put, I read this somewhere this week, knowledge is worthless without a plan. Now, I want to read to you the, the intervening th three verses here, or three, three of the intervening verses. I'm going to start with verse 34. Let Pharaoh take, a, ac um, take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. By the way, are you hearing this? Joseph is, is asking that Pharaoh impose a 20% flat tax. And by the way, the people love it. I, I don't really get that, but they, they do. Okay. He says that in verse 34. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain and food in cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become as, as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during this time. And the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Now, let's jump ahead. Uh, Cindy, can I come back to you and have you read 37 down through 40? The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. You know, I reference 41.8 here. 
at least in the throne room are the same guys that in 41.8, Pharaoh called and said, man, I had a dream. Let me tell you my dream. Tell me what it means. And they all said, beats me. I don't know. Okay. Those same guys are in the room. There are probably other ministers, other prime minister types there. <laughs> I just think, I think 30, 37 is kind of funny. All those guys that were foolish before, not wise at all, suddenly grow wisdom in verse 37. You know, this sounds like a great plan. They're clueless until verse 37. These are likely the same officials who failed to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Um, So I I, I think it's interesting. Uh, um, They agree with the plan. Now, I I put a funny question in your outline. You think verse 38, statement of faith by Pharaoh? In context... I kind of want to, but I don't think so. Uh, Let me read it again out loud. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is a, catch it, a divine spirit. Spirit is not capitalized in your Bible. The divine spirit is not there. Okay. We know that Joseph is filled with the spirit, capital S, of God. I don't think Pharaoh catches this. Bill, am I off base here? You think Pharaoh's a believer? You're my favorite apologist in the room. So I, I really don't think he is. I, I think he's found a guy with a good plan. Yeah. This guy has a divine spirit in him. Can we find anybody like that? I, I don't think we can make the stretch here that Pharaoh has made a statement of faith. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's he's saying here, a God gave the dream and has given us also this man, a God. So in verse 39, the God who sent the dreams also provided a man to fulfill them. And there was something completely different about this man. I I think it's interesting. Uh, Look at verse, um, I think it's verse 45. Um, uh, Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph that he gives him all kinds of stuff. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But he also gives him another name, Zaphonath-Paneah, if I said it right. You you can read it and make sure I got it right. Zaphonath-Paneah. He gives him an Egyptian name. Prior to that time, my name is Joseph Bar Israel. Joseph Bar Jacob. Now, we can't have you running around here with a Hebrew name. Your name's going to be Zaphonath Paneah. And it's interesting that that name, if you look at it in, the, in the, uh, the footnote, maybe in your Bible, God speaks. Isn't that interesting? So he gives him, there's something really different about this kid. By the way, kid, seems more like it more and more. He's 30 years old here. He got thrown in the pit, 17. It was 13 years before he shaves and shows up in Pharaoh's throne room. 30 years old. Now, I said last week, if you look at 37, 23, 
You remember they took his robe away? Uh, the brothers had just had it. They decided they were going to kill him. Then they kind of changed their mind about that. So in 37, 23, so it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him. And I said last week, his status went away as the kind of the big daddy rabbit of the family, you know. Well, guess what? In Genesis 41, starting with about verse 40, his status has changed. Let me read some things about his status that are not, not in our lesson for today. I'm going to begin with verse 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand. He put, on, put it on Joseph's hand. What does that mean? That's his blank check. Occasionally I'll have a, an assistant come to me and say, Can I have your credit card? A little danger there, but typically they're pretty responsible. They need to pick up something for the office and they need my credit card. This was Pharaoh's American Express card. Okay? Uh, he gives him his ring and then, uh, verse 42, uh, um, and then he put on, uh, put, uh, clothed him in garments of fine linen. By the way, this was nothing like what dad had put him in as a 17-year-old. Put the gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, "Bow the knee." Remember that dream in verse thirty, in chapter thirty-seven. And they set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, "Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt." Then he gives him his name, and he gives him his daughter. He gives him a daughter. Of, of, a, of an Egyptian official as a wife. Wow, how much his status has changed. Now, I want us to read, um, look, Cindy, if I can come back to you, read 50 down through 52, and we'll close this out. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Ephesus, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Okay. Joseph's life would be blessed in an hour. <laughs> Suddenly. He went from this pit, he went from uh, a penitentiary to the palace. He ended up with a palace of his own and a home of his own and a wife of his own and two sons of his own and a life. Rhonda, the, the uh, song that was going through my head, I hate to even reference it today. You'll be the only one in the room that'll get it. Uh, I... There's, there's a, a, a song that we listen to. And, and by the way, if you listen to much of these people's music, it is as hard rock as anything I've ever enjoyed. And, uh, but it's, it's uh, I, I got hooked on them years ago uh, on Foo Fighters, which is an interesting group for me to like. But they sing a kind of a bubblegum song in the middle of one of their albums called Ain't It the Life. Ain't it the life? Okay, I, I mean, I hear jo Joseph humming that in the background here. Ain't it the life? I got a wife, I got a place, I got a job, 
I got two little boys. And he names them. By the way, you're going to see their name in lists. Even in the New Testament, in lists of the 12 tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. But here's what their names, and by the way, he doesn't, he doesn't give them Egyptian names. I love that. He marries an Egyptian girl. He's got an Egyptian name himself. But he doesn't forget who he is, and he doesn't forget who got him there. And he names these two boys, you ready? Forgetful. <laughs> I'm forgetting about all that pain. And fruitful. How the Lord has changed things. Ephraim, Manasseh, forgetful, fruitful. So, have you learned the COVID-19 pivot? You heard that term? Look it up. It's a thing. The COVID-19 pivot. Okay? Let me explain. Okay? The Clorox company could not make enough Clorox wipes during COVID-19. Their, their stock went up 17%. During COVID-19. Um, um, Peloton, which by the way, I haven't spent any money with Peloton, but if you look that up, they, they make exercise machines. They get, had a point during COVID when all the, um, when all the, the uh, exercise places in the, in the country were shut down. They had at one time where they were way behind production. Their stock went up 30% during COVID-19. They pivoted. Uh, um, the university where I work, uh, we had a fairly simple pivot in some ways because we've been in online education for 20 years. So we pivoted to strictly online in the middle of March. We had already done that before. We didn't have to make it up as we went along. We were already there, kind of. It was hard, but we pivoted, okay? What's your COVID-19 pivot? I want to tell you something. I want you all to go with me as we close this out to Malachi 3.6. Malachi 3.6. You and I have needed to pivot. We're doing things different. We may never do things quite the way we did before. I'll stick this thing back on when class is over. I want you to do the same, all right? We'll stay distance, and it may be for a long time. We've pivoted in several different ways, but I want you to know something. Whether you find yourself in a pit or in a palace, God is there. He has not changed. Somebody read out loud Malachi 3.6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not Get Can I tell you something? God has no need to pivot. He just doesn't change. And the beauty of that is he's faithful all the time. He didn't have to say, okay, I better start being faithful. They need me now. He's been faithful all along. God didn't have a need for a COVID-19 pivot. This didn't catch him. Ooh, wow, what happened down there? He, didn't, he wasn't caught off guard. God has no need to pivot, as what Cindy read. So in, in my language, so that you're taken care of. Well, I'm grateful that whether or not, whether I'm in a pit, and maybe if you could write in your own journals, I have, 
some of the uh, COVID-19 pits you've been in. I've been in some pits the last six months. Or whether you're in a palace, whether you pivoted and you're, uh, you're Jeff Bezos fortunate. You know, this guy has become a gazillionaire partially during COVID-19 because he had a good business plan to start with and just wrote it like crazy. So whether you're in a pit or, or whether you're in a palace, God has no need to pivot. He's right where he's always been. And he's available for you. Please be careful. Keep coming back if you feel like it. I love seeing you here. And I'll see you next week. We'll be in chapter 42 next week. See ya. <laughs>